Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. This week, we continue our journey through the works of Aristophanes with The Knights, or Demos Abbey. I used the same translation for The Knights as I used for The Acarnians. This is the one from the Athenian Society that may or may not, in fact, be the work of Oscar Wilde. At any rate, it is from the Eleven Comedies, Volume 1, that is available for free on Project Gutenberg. There is nothing specific that I noticed in this translation. If you have questions about what you've read, please ask in the discussion, and I'll do my best to clarify for you. As always, the link to the blog post for this episode is in the show notes. This play was first produced in 424 BCE and won first prize at Lanaya. Like most of Aristophanes' comedies, it is very topical. What you need to know is that Cleon was a leader in Athens, and he and Aristophanes hated each other. Now, we already saw a little of this in the Acarnians, but this entire play is a diatribe against Cleon. We'll see more hatred for Cleon as we continue reading the works of Aristophanes, but this is the most direct personal attack on him. While the Acarnians has a cast of thousands, Aristophanes has tightened his focus in this play, and the cast is a manageable size. First up, we have demos. If that word sounds familiar, that's because it means the people and is the beginning of a word with which you should be very familiar, democracy. Demos is a rich householder. Two of his servants are Demosthenes and Nicias, both of whom are named after real-life Athenian military leaders. The current overseer of Demos's household, including the aforementioned Demosthenes and Nicias, is the Paphlagonian, or the Tanner, or for simplicity's sake, Cleon. The final role is a sausage seller whose name is later revealed to be Agoracritus. And of course, there is a homogenous chorus made up of knights, the second highest social class in Athens. It all has an upstairs-downstairs vibe like in, well, upstairs-downstairs or Downton Abbey. Oh, and in a side note, there is some thought that Aristophanes himself played the Cleon role because no one else had the nerve to portray this man on stage. We will again look for the standard parts of an old comedy as we go through the synopsis of this play. They are the prologue, parados, agon, parabasis, episode, and exodus. Demosthenes and Nicias enter and talk about how much they hate the Paphlagonian, who is their overseer. The discussion includes a nice little jab at another favorite target of Aristophanes, Euripides. They give the audience the needed background about this play, that Demos himself isn't that great of a master, and the new overseer they call a Paphlagonian tanner is even worse. The description of the Paphlagonian gives an idea of the scope of Cleon's power at this time. Throughout the scene, the two servants get drunk, discuss a prophecy about who can overthrow Cleon, and come up with a plan to find a sausage seller to fulfill this prophecy. By chance, luck, or theatrical design, a sausage seller happens to enter right then, and our two hapless servants convince him to join their plot. Cleon, which is to say the Paphlagonian, enters and accuses them of plotting against him and Demos, which, of course, is exactly what they have been doing. And since Cleon is much easier to say than Paphlagonian, that's the name I'm going to use for this character. The chorus of knights enters, shouting, or at least singing a really loud paradox, about how they are being wrong. 
Cleon initially thinks they have come to his aid, but they aren't so fond of Cleon either. There's a bit of a melee that stops when the sausage seller joins in. Cleon and the sausage seller argue about who is best to be Demos's overseer. The chorus, of course, eggs them on, ultimately siding with the sausage seller. One thing to note towards the end of the Agon is that the sausage seller accuses Cleon of hatching a plot with the Lacedaemonians, a.k.a. the Spartans. When we consider this play as a political piece, this section is clearly a loaded accusation. The sausage seller and Cleon exit to argue their case before the Senate. The chorus, having been left alone, sings the Parabasis. This time, there's a little bit about how great Aristophanes is and a prayer to Poseidon Athena. Then they welcome the actors back to the stage. The sausage seller has swayed the Senate away from Cleon, much to the delight of the chorus. Cleon enters, and he and the sausage seller again get into a big argument, this time bringing Demos himself into the mix. In the Agon, it was the chorus they were trying to convince. This time, it's Demos. The oracles are brought out to show that the sausage seller is fated to overthrow Cleon. This section goes on for a while because that's where the jokes are, some of which are cleaner than others. Ultimately, Demos chooses the sausage seller, at which point we finally learn that the character has a name, Agoracritus. Agoracritus vows that he is the most devoted citizen and that he will, therefore, do everything in his power to be a good steward. They exit. The chorus, having been left alone again, goes off topic in another mini parabasis until Agoracritus returns and tells them to can it. He then explains how he has improved Demos, cleaned up with a bath and some new clothes. Demos, for his part, apologizes for everything that had happened when he put Cleon in charge. He asks what will happen to Cleon now. Agoracritus says that Cleon will take over the role of sausage seller. Demos agrees that this punishment is fitting and everyone exits. Obviously, this is a political piece. Not only is Cleon a character within the play, there is a character named Demos, a clear proxy for the people of Athens. Cleon and Agoracritus are fighting over what role Demos should play in all of Greece. Who loves Demos more? Or, to translate it, what role should Athens play in all of Greece? And who loves Athens more? War-hungry Cleon or peace-loving Aristophanes? I mean, Agoracritus. We can see what Aristophanes thinks. Agora is the Greek word for market, and Agoracritus means something along the lines of chosen from the market. So, he is the person chosen by the people of the people and therefore better represents the people. And the results we see in the Exodus? Demos is doing great. So if the people, the Demes, are choosing who is in charge from regular people in the Agora, the citizens of Athens will be better off than if they stick with Cleon. Next week is a tragedy week, and we'll tackle the second play in Aeschylus' Oristia trilogy. In two weeks, we'll read Aristophanes' take on the Athenian court system in The Wasps. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.